Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to the April 2018 CTSS quiz. Happy April to everybody, and with this cold weather in March and snow, hopefully April will be warmer. So I have 10 uh, really interesting cases. Nothing too esoteric, but some really, I think, good cases to think about. So why don't we get started? In this case, I said the patient's a 20-year-old male, and what's the best diagnosis? When you look at the images, there's a large cystic mass in the left periodic region. It looks like nodes, perhaps, a necrotic tumor. Could it be a sarcoma? Lymphoma usually isn't that cystic, and I don't see any other masses anywhere. So just a big nodal mass from lymphoma can occur, but usually without treatment, it's not going to be cystic. A retroperitoneal sarcoma could be a possibility, I guess. Not the best age group, can be low density, can be fat. Liposarcoma is the most common retroperitoneal sarcoma. This is cystic, not fat. Could this be an abscess? Well, if you told me the patient had a nephrectomy or had some other procedure, perhaps, but there was no history. And so the most likely thing in this patient would be a seminoma or non-seminomatous type tumor. This patient did have, upon further investigation, a mass in the left testes, which was a seminoma with teratoma features. So in the younger patient, particularly a male, you see a large cystic mass, periodic. You better be thinking about seminoma or some sort of germ cell tumor. Just a very nice example. Now in this case, I say that it's a female patient who's febrile, but no known malignancy. And the reason I say that is because if you looked at this, I would say carcinomatosis and ovarian cancer, pancreatic cancer, pseudomyxoma peritoneae, can give you carcinomatosis. But there is no cancer, but perhaps you can say maybe there should be cancer because you just haven't detected it yet. But that's the best history I can give you with two lines. This ended up being TB peritonitis. TB peritonitis is an unusual, more common in patients where TB is endemic like in Africa, but they can get abdominal involvement, liver, spleen, kidneys, nodes, but also can get a peritoneal type uh, visualization, like in this case, which looks identical to carcinomatosis. And this was a wonderful example of TB peritonitis. This patient has a chronic cough. What's the best diagnosis? Well, it doesn't look like aspiration pneumonia because aspiration pneumonia is in the bases. You also will notice this patient has some nodes in the right hilar, hilum in the pretracheal zone. You'll also notice that upper, mid, and lower lungs are involved, though the upper lung is more involved. Bronchiectasis, well, the patient has bronchiectasis, but this is more than your typical case of bronchiectasis in the lung bases or perhaps right lower lung or middle lobe. MAI infection can give you, you know, airspace filling, but not this bronchiectasis. In this patient, extensive involvement, upper and middle lungs, bilateral, uh, different features, both from acute inflammation to more chronic changes. And this patient indeed had cystic fibrosis. Very nice example. This patient was febrile and had a recent robotic prostatectomy. And so one of the complications you always worry about is a leak. So we did a CT cystogram. You can see 500 cc's of contrast was put into the bladder. The sagittal view nicely shows you the intraperitoneal contrast extravasation. You can see where it begins at the base of the bladder where the urethra is. And so it's a, the most classic location we see is a leak from the prosthetic urethra at the base of the bladder. So no, obviously, this is not a normal post-op study. It's not a bladder fistula. It's not a residual tumor. 
it's simply a leak. Now, most of these patients will do well. You know that we always speak about intraperitoneal leaks. You have to operate retroperitoneal or extraperitoneal, rather, we, we say we uh, watch. But many of these patients, they'll be watched conservatively, and most of them do fine over time. Now, in this quiz, I sometimes I show you very classic cases but they just look a bit different than the classic appearance. This is a huge 25, 30 centimeter mass in the liver. I only gave you one phase, arterial phase, and you see some puddling along the edges of the lesion. This is a hemangioma. I just wanted to show this case. We talk about giant hemangiomas being five centimeters. If giant is five centimeters, over 25 is maybe like a supreme hemangioma. But Hemangiomas can be very large. These lesions will often fill in if I wait long enough, though you can see the central scar in this patient. So a very nice example of hemangioma. Again, that peripheral puddling, whether it's 5 centimeters, 2 centimeters, or 25 centimeters, is always going to be a very, very critical finding. This case is interesting. The finding is obvious. There's a big mass that's very vascular. First thing I always think of if I saw this would be a neuroendocrine tumor. But I have to admit, I don't show you all of the images, but the pancreatic duct and common duct are not dilated. What else could this be? Could it be a carcinoma of the duodenum? I guess it could be, but usually they're not that large. They're two centimeters or less. Could this be metastatic renal cell to pancreas, the peripancreatic region? I guess it could be, but the kidneys look okay, though I only showed you part of the kidneys. We have seen a number of patients with paragangliomas. And this is one of those patients. Hypervascular lesion, central necrosis. Kind of looks near the adrenal bed, but the adrenal would be okay. It looks identical. Remember, paragangliomas are extra adrenal pheochromocytomas. Beautiful example, great location. Peripancreatic, periadrenal. We've seen a number of these. So when you see this appearance and the pancreas looks good, you better be thinking about paragangliomas. Just a wonderful case. This is an interesting case. What are you seeing here? Two distorted kidneys with diffuse calcifications. Look at the aorta. The aorta is encased also with calcifications. It looks like a sheet of calcifications and soft tissue. And my description just told you the answer. This is not hypoparathyroidism. You can get renal failure from that, but there are multiple punctate calcifications. Radiation therapy can cause a small kidney and calcification but not in this kind of pattern, nor would explain the soft tissue around the aorta. Ernheim-Chester disease gives you perirenal space involvement around the kidneys, but it doesn't calcify, and it's diffusely low density. This is an amazing example of retroperitoneal fibrosis, encasement of the peri and perirenal spaces, encasement of the aorta, diffuse calcifications, which can occur with retroperitoneal fibrosis. Just a wonderful, amazing unusual example. This patient had upper GI bleeding and I asked for the best diagnosis. When you look at the two images, the coronal and the 3D volume rendering, you see the stomach and then there's a large exophytic mass with ulceration diffusely thickened. And could this be an adenocarcinoma that perforated, I guess, theoretically? Could this be lymphoma that perforated, I guess, theoretically? But the exophytic nature of the mass the large ulceration, the soft tissue thickening, the mass effect, and the exophytic nature 
make me say gastric gist tumor. Majority gist, tu gist tumors in the stomach, which has 70% of all gist tumors in the GI tract, are large, exophytic, and ulceration is not uncommon. Just a beautiful, beautiful example. What's the best diagnosis in this case? You see a liver mass, has a pseudocapsule, has neovascularity, best seen on the MIP imaging, has a feeding vessel. The liver may show some mild textural change, but this is not the enhancement pattern of hemangioma. It's not the enhancement pattern of FNH, and it's probably not going to be what you think about cholangios, which are more hypovascular early. This is the classic pattern of a hepatoma, neovascularity, prominent feeding vessels, pseudocapsule, just classic hepatocellular carcinoma, just a very nice example. The best diagnosis in this case, you see a cystic lesion in the spleen, calcified rim, very well defined. You know in your heart this is benign. Most likely to me what I would think of is a cyst or that it's calcified, an old hematoma, did the patient have trauma? They never remember. An old hematoma that calcified. You know, if you had multiple calcifications and linear septations and lesions in the liver, you could put a um, the diagnosis of idatid cyst in there, but it's not going to be one cyst with dense calcifications. Angiosarcomas can have calcifications, but they're hypervascular lesions. Enlarge and infiltrate the spleen, not the case. Lymphoma doesn't calcify unless it's radiated, and I've never seen anything with a big cyst like this looking like lymphoma. Hemangiomas, commonest lesion in the spleen, but they don't calcify. This is a benign calcified splenic cyst. Now you can see I was sort of vague in my answer or the choices I gave you because I didn't say it was a simple cyst that calcified. I didn't say it was an old hematoma that calcified. I didn't say it was hemangioma that calcified. I know it's benign, we followed it, it's been there for a while, no problem. There's a great article in, a, in radiology this month, and this month of being April 2018, which basically says an incidental splenic lesion with no known malignancy or no clinical symptoms is essentially always benign. They had two cases with malignancy, but there were other findings, including in the liver scene. So. Uh, incidental splenic lesion with no clinical history is always going to be benign. So that kind of makes you feel better perhaps, but this is again a benign cyst. So those are 10 terrific cases. We hope you enjoy them all, and we hope to see you back here, same time, same station, one month from today. Have a great week and a great month. Bye-bye.